0: To the Main Quest podcast with more up up down downs than a prostitute's underwear. Welcome back to another episode
1: of the Main Quest Podcast. Of course, that intro is not me, obviously, because this isn't my episode. It's Martin Long's episode. Because it's player vs. Podcast Month, baby. Also known as aka Listener Request Month. That's right. All month long, I will be talking about games that you guys asked me to play. And you didn't have to pay a dime to do it. All you had to do was ask. And so here we are. I want to thank everybody who sent in a game for me to play. I am super excited for the batch of episodes that are coming up this month. There's a lot of PlayStation games. Super super heavy on the PS1 or PSX, if you're weird. Uh, I just call it the PlayStation. I don't know where PSX came from. Anyway, I don't know how many games were submitted that were actually PlayStation games, but that's that's just kind of the look of the draw. So let me stop wasting time here. If you're listening to this episode, you already know how to get a hold of me. So let's get into the main course here. Silent Bomber. world's quickest intro uh I so I always kick the episode episode off proper with my personal history of the game. And since this is a game Martin picked for me to play, we gotta hear from him
0: first on why he picked it and what his history is with it. Hey Keith, how you doing? It's Martin here from The Reviews Brothers. So glad you're getting to play Silent Bomber for the PS1, which was my pick for Listener Request Month. I really hope you enjoy it. But that's enough about you. Let's talk about me. And what's my experiences with the game? Well, as far as I remember, I was quite late to the PS1. So by the time I got one, most of the games were very cheap or kind of buy one, get one free. And I remember buying it in a store at the same time as Xena Warrior Princess, which was actually going to be another one of my picks. Um, I'd never heard of either of these games before, but it was buy one, get one free. And it probably cost me about £10, which is very cheap. And I just remember being absolutely blown away by it. Um, It was a really cool game. I'd never really played anything like it before. Loads of action, loads of everything. So yeah, it turned out to be one of, if not my favourite PlayStation 1 game. So, yeah, that's about my history with it, really. I just found it in a shop, picked it up on a whim, and never regretted it. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, sir.
1: So, my personal history with Silent Bomber is that I don't have a personal history. <laughs> my my history with this game is what you're about to hear in the coming moments, but I, I do want to touch on just for a second what Martin was talking about. Maybe some people can relate to this. uh But I'm mostly all digital now when it comes to playing video games. In fact, the only reason why I have Silent Bomber is because it was on an incredibly thorough file I acquired when I broke my PlayStation Mini wide open, but even with modern games or re-releases, I'm more often aware of what I'm buying when I buy it on an e-shop. Whereas back in the day, I was a little more adventurous when it came to renting or buying games. Pretty sure I've mentioned it a few times on the show, uh, that box art, video game box art was a big draw for a lot of games. I mean, you look at a game like Castlevania, right? Look at that box art. Cool as shit. But then you bring it home, you play it, and it's kicking your ass all over the place, and you probably never wanted to play it again. You know, just browsing and and looking at the box arts, box arts, box art back in the day, it's, uh, you know, how I found Shadow of the Colossus in 2005, or uh, whenever that came out. I just saw it. It was just sitting there, just on the shelf. I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I guess. And I brought it home and it, like, changed my life. That's kind of an exaggeration. <laughs> it changed my life. uh. But Shadow of the Colossus, I mean, if you've played it, you know. It's an incredible game. So when Martin spoke about buying this on a whim, I feel that. There's something... It's too easy to know everything about a game before it comes out these days. You know a lot about a game a year prior to its release most of the time. And when I was growing up, you really had to go out of your way to know what games existed and what they were. Otherwise, it pretty much boiled down to you asking the person across the counter from you or just picking it up, you know? The other part, too, is I'm older now, right? And I'm a little more careful about where I spend my money, even though if you jumped into my Microsoft and PlayStation or Nintendo library, you wouldn't think so. can always be much worse. But I'm being a little more proactive about my video game purchases than I was, you know, when I was a kid or teenager. Early adult, so. Anyway. I'm not sure where I'm going with this rant, or if I've even made my point at all. I'm just glad... Martin didn't pick Xena for me. Uh, not a lot of meme picks submitted this year, so uh appreciate it, guys. So onto the development for Silent Bomber. Silent Bomber is an action-adventure game developed by CyberConnect, who is now CyberConnect2, and published by Bandai. The game was directed by Hiroto Nizato, designed by Takeyuki Asobe, and Fukata Fukada uh, did the work on the soundtrack. All three of these people are basically CyberConnect Two powerhouses. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, CyberConnect Two is mostly known for the Dot Hack franchise, Asura's Wrath, and if there's a Naruto game, if you see like any Naruto game, there's a good chance that they probably made it. As for Silent Bomber, there really isn't anything out there about this game. In fact, uh, the only interesting tie-in with this show is Chikyofukata, Fakata, but that's like just, that's just barely trying to find some sort of tie in here. Uh, she actually started her career over at Sega and made the soundtrack for the Game Gear port of Ristar. And then eventually she was hired by Cyber Connect and from there worked on this game, which is an incredibly different soundtrack from what she did, uh, with, R- with Ristar or at Sega. But yeah, the well is pretty much dry on this one. You know, if I had Infinite Time, or if I had, uh, you know, Twitter clout or something, I would definitely try and reach out to someone and try and get something to share, but there's just not anything here. Silent Bomber was released in October 1999 in Japan, April 2000 in the United States, and July 2000 in Europe. For the PlayStation. Since then, it has been ported to the PlayStation Portable, PlayStation Vita, and the PlayStation Network for PlayStation 3. PlayStation. Review scores for some context here Famitsu gave it 29 out of 40. Electric? Electric? Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 7.625 out of 10. <laughs> i'm not lying to you 7.625 out of 10 <laughs> i don't even know game informer gave it a 7.75 out of 10 what are these review scores jesus christ it's not scientific this is why i don't do this is why i don't do numbers this is, what the fuck is a 6 or what the what's 7.625 <laughs> what is 7.75 you know I can I can understand a seven and a half out of ten. A seven point seven five. A seven point six two five. IGN gave it eight out of ten. GamePro four point five out of five. And Zenanus on GameFAQs gave it a perfect score ten out of ten, simply stating, "quote, insane," end quote. As for the story, it feels incredibly disjointed. I'm not even 100% sure what's going on in this game, uh, but this is what I can gather. So our main character here is Utah, and I'm, I'm pausing on that name. I'm, I'm uh, tripping over it because I'm not sure how to pronounce this name, and that's because the voice acting in this game is awful. They pronounce it three or four different right, three or four different ways, and that's ranging from Utah, like the state, to Utah, like with a heavy like taw at the end, like t a w, to JuTa, which sounds wrong, to Utah. And sometimes it's the same person saying all of these things. And that person being the the person that is uh who voices Henri, who is. <laughs> Jutah's mission captain. Co-pilot? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure how to say this name. It's spelled J-U-T-A-H. Jutah. Jutah? I don't know how to say it. They say it different every fucking time. Regardless, Honori basically gives us the missions that we're sent on. Her and juta eventually form a relationship towards the end and i don't feel like it's earned really like it's just it just kind of happens juta tells Henri his feelings Henri tells juta her feelings and then all of a sudden it's just a thing who knew who knew love could breed so easily on the battleground honestly the story's crap and it's not the highlight of the game anyway you could easily take the story out of this game and it wouldn't change much but both of these people, they're, they're part of a larger crew that has to stop a Star Destroyer. But it's not a Star Destroyer. It's a Star Destroyer-like ship called the Dante from destroying their home planet. You don't even really meet the crew. So when the character, like Benoit, turns out to be the main villain, it doesn't really mean anything. Because you see him once, and he says something like, super, like you see him sitting on the ship with the rest of your crew. Right. And he says something really shady that absolutely does not hide the fact that he's the villain. And then when like Juta is like, Benoit, what are you doing? It's like, man, I don't know. Like, was he really trying to be a good guy? Because he wasn't trying very hard. Like he wasn't hiding it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excuse me. So we're merely pawns in some elaborate game that will determine the fate of the world, is that it? Then which player is going to be fortunate enough to checkmate fate, I wonder? And speaking to Benoit, I mean, as far as his motivation, I don't know. Literally, actu- like, actually, I don't know. He's just a bad guy, and he wants to do bad things because he's bad. I want to do it because it's fun. fun to do bad things. But I want to do horror stuff for my friend. All these cutscenes seem like they're nonsensical. Sometimes they feel like they're out of order. And I feel like that's only because there's characters on screen. And every time there's a new one, I'm asking, who the fuck is that? And it turns out it doesn't matter because they never show up again. So really, all we really need to know is that Utah, Utah is the soulless husk of a human. It would make more sense if he were actually, like, a robot, but he is a flesh-and-blood human who is working through some sort of PTSD from war, and Henri is there to heal his soul because, of course, that's what all women are here to do, right? And again, they fall in love. It's very Metal Gear Solid, if you ask me, but the story sucks, so let's talk about the actual game. (laughs) For as fun as this game is, and I'm giving a little bit of my, my final thoughts away, it's not a deep game at all. You know What you see is what you get, but I don't feel like it's shallow by any means. So you have two means of attack. Your main attack is your bombs. What a surprise. You can upgrade these bombs. You can upgrade them further uh, the further you get into the game. How much you want to upgrade them is up to you which is something that I'll, I'll talk about in a second here. So you can either place these bombs wherever you're standing by pressing triangle, and then trigger them by tapping triangle once again. You can also hold down square, which activates this. Uh, it's like an aiming reticle. It looks more like a cone, like an aiming cone, and that shoots the bombs wherever you're aiming at. And then your other means of attacks are through these three different subweapons. You've got Napalm, which acts like the bombs, but has like a sustained burn damage. It's like damage over time, right? You got Paralysis, and then you've got one that sort of acts like a black hole. The game has a ton of different enemy types, all of which can be taken down with normal bombs. It's totally up to you, but these three different uh elemental bombs can be used in tactical ways, depending on uh what your situation looks like. So for instance, the Napalm bomb is... Probably like the most effective weapon here. It does a ton of damage over, uh, you know, a matter of seconds as well as it has a pretty wide area of effect. But you might run into a boss that has a ton of regular enemies in the arena with you. So using the black hole weapon could be a lot more useful in this instance as it allows you to focus on dealing damage to the boss while it's gathering up, while that black hole is gathering up all the regular enemies, right? Or you could just paralyze the boss and deal with the regular enemies. And then that ultimately just leaves you with the overpowered napalm bomb. And when you think about it, between all three of those options in this scenario, it just wouldn't cut it in that situation. Silent Bomber really does have that rock-paper-scissors mechanic that always feels really rewarding if you figure it out. The last mechanic of this game is dodging. It's exactly what what you think it is. You can either dodge on the ground or in midair. And I guess this is where I guess I'm going to complain about the game, right? Because dodging doesn't feel good in this game. I The dodge kind of sucks. Dodging should feel really satisfying. And there's something about Utah's dodge that just feels heavy. Like it doesn't feel fast. It's not sleek or elegant. It just feels clunky. It always seems like he stops really short of where he's going. On top of that, the dual sense has been out for about a year at this time, uh, at the time of this game's release. And this game could really use some dual stick shooter controls. As good as it feels to run around in this game, placing and shooting the bombs doesn't feel as good as it should. You know, you're basically running and aiming with the same stick. You know, you're doing two different actions With one input. So if you have to avoid an attack, you literally have to drop whatever you're doing offensively and get into defense mode. And it's incredibly frustrating because the enemies do move quickly. They move more quickly quickly than you do. Fortunately, touching an enemy does not hurt you. But avoiding bullets is the name of the game here. It's kind of like a 3D bullet hell, right? And sometimes it just doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel good to play sometimes, especially in the uh, later levels when you're stuck in smaller corridors and and rooms that are loaded with enemies. And all you want to do is have like three seconds to place a bomb while moving at the same time. And you just can't. You can't. You simply cannot just place a bomb on an enemy while you're also moving away from the enemy. It, It really makes the combat feel very clunky. One of the things I spoke about earlier is that you can give Utah upgrades. After every level, you earn upgrades to your bombs, your range, which uh, dictates how far you can shoot the bombs, and your defense. If you don't do anything, the game automatically chooses to upgrade your bombs by default. And upgrading your bombs allows you to put down more of them, uh, up to, I think it's up to nine, I think, uh, in which you can also stack. You can stack the bombs on the battlefield to cause massive damage, which in a lot of cases, uh, it's very hard to avoid the explosion once you detonate, because again, the dodging and the aiming feels very clunky. The wonderful thing about the upgrade system, though, is that you can literally jump into the menu and change the stats however you see fit any time you want. Is the section you're in really tough? just put all your points into defense and tank those hits. Are you in the middle of a boss fight and there's only a few hit and there're only a few hits away from death? You can pause the game, put all your stats into bombs and range or one or the other and just blast away, get through it. It's a really fucking cool system and it allows it's it's great that it allows you to change your tactics in an instant. For the most part, I didn't find the game too difficult. The only areas I really hated again were the levels where you're stuck in close quarter areas. I think it might be mission 8 or 9 when you're walking through this uh it's like a giant cable and the level just goes on and on it really is just drawn out. It's one where I it's one of those levels where I just basically dumped everything into into my defense because it's just wildly unfair how long that level is with how much that they throw at you all the time. As for bosses, they're not crazy. Some of them have huge health pools. I did not appreciate that. Well, some others don't. I do think the game could use a mini map in some areas because the arenas in which you fight the bosses can be very large. There's one boss in particular that takes place inside of a city, which is, again, we're on a spate, we're on the Dante. I, I guess the Dante is just that big that it has its own cities inside of it. Either way, you're fighting this boss in this city area. And I kept losing track of him because there's no map. And the final fight against Benoit has like three or four parts to it. And that goes on a little too long for my taste. But the final level before him, really, really cool. It might be the best looking part of the game because there's not a lot going on in the background. Um... Even the boss fight, I mean, to give credit to the boss fight, yeah, I hated it, but it looked cool. Uh, one last nitpick here, it'll be my final point for the gameplay. Is that the game throws some Resident Evil shit at you towards the end of it. I guess they thought maybe introducing bioweapons into the game would create a unique situation, but i I honestly could have done without it. The game was creative enough up to this point that I just didn't feel like these monsters even belonged in in, in this game. The game is pretty short overall, but honestly, they could have cut like two or three missions out. I feel like these monster sections really kind of breaks the immersion (laughs) thing. Since my last sale. Why did I set up a merch table here? I don't even have any listeners in Raccoon City. I guess I should be thankful that guy in those really cool sunglasses let me use his house. Hey! Oh, got finally! Customers! I was beginning to think everyone in this house was dead or something. What is this? What are you doing in this place? Well, I'm just here selling main quest merchandise from Redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod what are you guys doing out here <laughs> you must be from the bravo team bravo team what no. no 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 i'm i'm just a i'm a podcaster i'm from the main just Qu- a moment i found something what is it that uh that that's a uh resident evil series themed tote bag the house on that artwork looks suspiciously familiar But, um, yeah, I've also got pins, stickers, and themed phone cases that you can store in that thing just in case you run out of inventory slots. You saved my life. I owe you one. (laughs) Hey, let's, uh, let's not get dramatic, okay? You, You don't owe me anything. But if you do feel like supporting the show, all of the funds feed directly back into the podcast so I can keep putting out great content and even more designs. And the best thing about Redbubble... As not only are they print-on-demand, but your quality merch will arrive in no time at all.
0: He's insane! Whoa! Let me take care of this.
1: And yeah, as you can see, there's even a selection of shirts for the beefiest of boys like Mr. Redfield over here. <laughs> thank you. That site again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash pod or just visit the link in the show notes. Well, I guess I can pack it up for tonight, but how the hell am I going to get through these locked doors? Here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. So last year I covered Dragon's Valor, which also came out very late in the PlayStation's life cycle. I don't remember what I said about that game's graphics, but I don't think I really gave it a pass. I I, I don't think it was, I don't think I was too nice to it. Um, And Silent Bomber is a polygon-ass polygon PlayStation game. I feel like the environments hold up pretty well. Like I said, I mean, even that last level looks really good. Uh, The inside of the Dante looks very mechanical, very spacey, has a lot of moving parts and platforms for Utah to jump on and around, but the in-game character models are a little blocky. There's a lot of that good old PlayStation texture warping where it kind of looks like some of the textures are moving by themselves, even when the characters aren't moving at all. Surprisingly, with how much is going on at any given moment, I don't think I ran into any slowdown like there's a lot of stuff happening on screen tons of explosions tons of missiles and enemies everywhere i didn't notice notice anything i mean i'm not i've i'm not that sensitive to frames dropping like you know some people would be like oh man i went from 60 to 55 and it's like who fucking get, get out of here weirdo yeah so i mean if it went from you know 60 to 30 like i'm not going to fucking notice um so, yeah, at least there wasn't anything, you know, uh, so appalling that it was noticeable or anything like that. Like, I didn't go from 60 to, like, 15 or anything. So, yeah, I I was very surprised. Very surprised. Uh, the cutscenes in the game are not that impressive either. Uh, some of the space stuff where there's, like, ships flying around and there's, like, dogfighting, I think those look really good. Those are really well done. Uh, but when it's just, like, the characters sitting around and talking to each other, like, you can really tell how limited CyberConnect was. And I guess since I'm talking about the cutscenes, let's talk about the music and the sound effects. So, this voice acting is dog shit. <laughs> it's horrible. It's comically bad. The voice actor who plays Utah is particularly awful because there are some scenes in the game where you can barely hear him at all. And then suddenly he's loud as hell. It's like when the voice actor was recording some of his lines, he turned his head while he was speaking into the mic and CyberConnect just kept it. They're like, yep, that's one take. That's all we can afford. One take. We're done. Good enough. Cut it. Or maybe they, I mean, we don't know anything about the development, right? Maybe they ran out of time. Maybe they're hard pressed for time when recording, but it literally just is like, The Dante is under attack. Henri, only true soldiers know the meaning of love and hate. It's like, what the fuck did he just say? Like, why did... Why does it sound like he just walked into another room all of a sudden? (laughs) Like, it's... It's awful.
0: Does all of your combat
1: experience make you such a big shot? Is killing people something you can really feel proud about? I want you to know that I joined the military in the hope of supporting peace on our planet. Proud. I have never taken pride in killing or destruction. Huh? This is all I have ever trained to do. I didn't know I had any other choice.
0: I can't get any more thrust! Damn! We're going down! Tim! Are you okay? All right. Go to alert level yellow. Eliminate the intruders immediately. <laughs> the
1: only time it sounds remotely okay is when Henri is talking to you while you're in the middle of the mission. But that just might be because there's so many things blowing up, there's so many other sound effects, there's music playing that it just kind of drowns her out. Not that you need to hear her anyway because first of all the story doesn't matter and every mission is essentially the same. You blow stuff up and you get to the exit. Speaking of the music that plays, it's not my thing. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it. It fits the action and the pace of the game perfectly, actually. But when it comes to techno, I will be that person that tells you every techno song sounds exactly the same. I had no idea that there was more than one track playing in this game until I checked. But I didn't care either, you know, because again, it's good for what it is and for what the game is. It's good enough, right? So I really didn't care all that much. So though I personally, you know, the music doesn't affect me, it didn't take enjoyment out of the game. So with that, speaking of enjoyment of the game, giving some thoughts away here, let's wrap this episode up. I recommend checking out and playing Silent Bomber in twenty twenty three yes, but with some caveats, of course, I think there's a lot of things I personally let slide with games from the PlayStation era because it is my favorite system, so whereas i you know I don't mind the graphics that much, they're certainly dated. But I guess at least it's nice that the character's mouths move in cutscenes, right? It's got that. And the controls would be better suited by the tech inside the DualShock instead of the standard PlayStation controller. And all of these issues, then I bring it up, could have easily been fixed if the game maybe got delayed or was developed for the PlayStation 2, which literally came out like five months after this game was released in uh, the United States. So if you do take my recommendation and seek this thing out, go in knowing you're going to get something that's a little clumsy. It looks like a collection of polygons, Uh, but everything else about it is great. Blowing things up a lot of things with a lot of explosions is incredibly satisfying. It's a very linear game and the gameplay isn't deep, but it's super satisfying to mess with all those uh, different sub-weapons, you know, and ah, it was just enjoyable. It was enjoyable digging through the tools to see what worked best on which enemies so that you can just bulldoze through each stage and get to the end. And if it gets too tough, that accessibility is there. You can jump into the menu and change your stats up however you want, whenever you want. It is really incredibly accessible in that way. And then, you know, at the end of every level, you get a... some Resident Evil type deliveries from these voice actors. Uh, and you get some cutscenes. So, kind of rewarded with that. But yeah, I think uh, Silent Bomber is going to be a light recommendation for me, dog. So, Martin, thank you, man. Thanks for letting me play this game. And thank you guys for listening. But that's not the end of Listener Request Month. Next week, I'll finally be talking about my first Super Nintendo game on the show. It's another favorite console of mine remember how um remember how this podcast used to be a nintendo podcast <laughs> i kind of miss it a, a little bit to be honest uh anyway i'll be talking about Artie lightfoot take care of yourselves and remember it's okay to like a video game
0: just a bummer. He said bad words on the Main Quest podcast. <laughs>
1: Maybe Martin can relate to it. Aren't Aren't people from the UK soulless husks of human beings? I should probably take that out.
0: Martin's a very nice person for a soulless husk of a human being.